0: Hey guys, it's Gracie from Good Morning Nancy. So, since we're taking a break from our mini-episodes, we wanted to share the names of our Lori and Ellen patrons right here and right now. So, a special thanks to James, Jarvis, Travis, Michael, Valerie, Stacy, Shauna, Slops the Clown, Maggie, Julie, Jillian, Janelle, Felicia, Dorian, Kenan, Chris and Ashley, you guys are seriously the best. We wouldn't be here without you. And now that I'm going through my crazy move to a new city and a new apartment, uh, just knowing that you guys are there supporting us, like really helps keep me going. (laughs) So you guys, thank you so, so much. We really hope that you love this episode. Have a great morning. Good Morning Nancy is a horror movie podcast, and it may not be for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Good morning, Nancy. My name is Gracie, and I'm Abby. And if you're new to the show,
1: welcome. This is Season 5, Episode 2, and we're so excited for you to join us. Gracie and I have been friends since forever, and we love talking about our favorite horror movies together and with you. All while drinking a nice cup of coffee. Today we'll be discussing the 2015 supernatural horror film, The Witch. It was written and directed by Robert Eggers and stars Anya Taylor-Joy, Ralph Innocent, Kate Dickey, and Harvey Scrimshaw. We're not
0: shy about spoilers, so if you haven't seen this film, we highly suggest that you pause this recording and watch it. Still here? Okay, great. Let's get this morning started. So, Robert Eggers, a native of New England and a longtime costume, set, and production designer was looking to make his first film, and he was inspired to write The Witch from his fascination with witches and frequent visits to the Plymouth Plantation as a child. According to David Sims in his article in The Atlantic, the original draft of the script was about how the titular witch manifested herself to different members of the family, meaning the film spent roughly equal time with everyone. But Eggers said, quote, through working on the second draft with my producers, Thomason became the protagonist. Eggers continues with, quote, It was not my intention to make a story of female empowerment, but I discovered in the writing that if you're making a witch story, these are the issues that rise to the top. Eggers wanted to film the picture on location in New England, but the lack of tax incentives meant he had to settle for Canada.
1: Oh, Canada.
0: (laughs) Canada, my Canada. (laughs) In order to give the film an authentic look, Eggers shot only with natural light outside, and indoors, the only lighting was candles.
1: Yes.
0: So good. Mm -hmm. But because of this, the shooting process was brutal. According to Eggers in an interview for Fast Company, he says, quote, Honestly, there were just problems all the time. We were constantly tying the schedule up in knots because of weather. We needed it to be gloomy, and we couldn't betray that. And the crew was really upset all the time because the schedule was just bonkers.
1: Oh my god, this is relatable content to the max, especially (laughs) when you date a photographer and they're like, no, I need the lighting just right. So listeners might be surprised to hear that the witch took
0: Five years to make. Good Lord. With research claiming a vast chunk of that time. Eggers read 17th century diaries and documents so that his film would be as historically accurate as possible. He even insisted on his characters to speak in the specific Essex dialect of the time. That's one of my favorite things about this film. Yes. <laughs> so good. When asked by The Verge how he was able to get his actors to speak the dialect naturally, Eggers replied, quote, I have a background in Shakespeare. When I was acting in New York... I was mostly doing classical theater, so I was used to it, and every single person who got a role, the first thing I made sure of was that they could speak this language without problems. Oh, cool. Which seems like an obvious answer. Well, yeah. You're gonna wanna hire actors who can speak the language. Yes. I
1: love okay, one of my favorite lines of this whole movie is when William looks at Caleb and says, I love the marvelous well. I I'm like <gasps> me too.
0: Can we bring that back, please?
1: So Eggers also chose to stylize
0: the film's title as the Vivivitch. <laughs> <laughs> Two V's instead of an actual W. <laughs> In its title sequence and on posters, stating that he found the spelling in a Jacobian era pamphlet on witchcraft, along with other period texts. Because I guess the, the letter W was not used very often, just in general. So they just used two Vs. I don't know. That's I should so know weird. more about that, but I don't.
1: That's yeah. weird because I feel like there were so many Williams back in the day. That, <laughs> no, they like, were
0: Vavilions. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> that makes more sense.
0: So, with a budget of only $4 million, the witch grossed $25.1 million in the United States and Canada and $15.3 million in other territories for a worldwide total of $40.4 million, making it a huge independent success oh my god and while most film critics and horror aficionados loved it everyone else hated it oh my god haters gonna hate i guess Ugh. listen when abby and i saw this in the theaters back in 2015 <laughs> before like the this podcast was just a gleam in our eyes yes. <laughs> um it, people walked out of the
1: theater yeah Right before, like, the end the good where happened. it, like, really, really cracks off. And I was like, y'all, you sat through the first hour of this movie. Now you're going to leave for the last half hour?
0: Mm-hmm. Jeez, I'm crow. So, according to Liz Braun of the Toronto Sun, quote, Helped along by a great cast, a haunting soundtrack, and terrific attention to period detail, The Witch is an auspicious feature debut for writer-director Robert Eggers. And to quote David Sims again, Thomason and The Witch seem destined to enter the great canon of horror films that include the likes of Carrie... The Descent, and A Nightmare on Elm Street, stories that terrify by tapping into the immense power and fury of isolated women.
1: With that said, Abby, would you please remind us all of the plot? Sure. Set in the old world of Puritan New England, the witch opens on a family of seven who have been banished from their community on the basis of a religious dispute. William, the patriarch, his wife Catherine, and their five children— Thomason, Caleb, twins Jonas and Mercy, and baby Samuel are forced to live far from the reaches of their village, surrounded by mysterious woodlands and gloomy weather. As they try their best to settle into new life, Samuel, the baby, disappears mysteriously while in the care of Thomason, becoming a sacrifice to a witch living just beyond the reaches of their little farm. The family spirals into oblivion as Catherine descends into depression from having lost a child, William begins to lose his grip as the leader of the family. Caleb dies after being lured deep into the woods by the witch, and the twins accuse Thomason of signing a pact with the devil. Thomason, feeling distant from her family and alienated as she approaches womanhood, murders her mother in a fit of rage after her father is gored to death by the family goat, who is referred to as Black Philip. It turns out that Black Philip is actually the devil, and as Thomason is left in the wilderness, orphaned and alone, she signs a pact in order to live deliciously. Thomason's self fulfilling prophecy becomes a reality as she takes her place at the side of a coven of witches, dancing around a fire the same night her entire family is killed. Wow. Thank you, Abby, so much for that wonderful plot summary. You're welcome.
0: <laughs> Okay, so the Bechtel test, it passes. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Which actually kind of surprised me because there are a lot of men in this, including Satan.
1: <laughs>
0: so, you know, I didn't... I was like, oh, I wonder if this is actually going to pass. And it does very slightly. Like, hmm. I think it passes during the silver cup scene at the dinner table when Catherine and Thomason are talking about it. Oh, yeah. Um, and I it, it passes a little bit when Mercy and Thomason are talking about her being a witch. Ugh, little imps. Little imps. They're so freaky. Those children look like old people, though. Don't they? Yeah, they do. Don't they remind you of, like, not kids? Like, <laughs> Benjamin Button children. (laughs) (laughs) So, Nancy's Dream Team test. Was the supporting cast at least 50% women? Yes. Did a woman write, direct, or produce the film? No. Was the final girly person of color? No. Were there any openly LGBTQ characters in the film? No. It's Puritan. Yeah, I was just going to say they are Puritans. So... All right, well, speaking of Puritans, who were the Puritans? Who the heck? <laughs> so in order to understand this film, it's important to understand, like, the Puritans and some of their beliefs. Mm-hmm. So according to Melissa J. Gizmundi, she said, quote, The Puritans were members of an English Protestant church. They deemed the Protestant Reformation unfinished because English monarchs had supposedly allowed too much religious compromise and inclusion. Yikes. Steeped in Calvinist doctrine, Puritans sought to morally refine Christianity that eschewed the supposed luxuries of Catholicism and Anglicanism. (laughs) believing themselves to be in a quote-unquote covenant with god puritans religious zeal colored how they saw the world (sighs) obsessed with demonstrating their religious devotion in the hopes of securing salvation in the afterlife many puritans feared that living in the supposed quote-unquote wilderness of new england might lead them to spiritual savagery As a result, they had a tendency to see the devil everywhere, which led to paranoia over witchcraft during most of the 17th century.
1: It's just so wild that they think the natural world is so unnatural. If it's supposedly made by God, it just blows my mind.
0: That and women in the 17th century were just stripped of all agency. Yeah. They existed to work. For the family or for another family, which, you know, happens with her parents, Thomason's parents talking about sending her off with another family. Like, women were still property, really. Yeah. And they had to either go off with another family and work or get married off and, like, have children. As the witch, like, the film goes on, what's really scary is that the family is, like, targeting her, throughout this whole thing. And yeah. it's really just her stepping towards her freedom of this Puritan family. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. It's no wonder that Robert Eggers, who's the writer-director, he called his film The Witch a quote-unquote Puritan's nightmare.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: So let's talk a little bit about the fear of women and feminine power. Mm-hmm. So as Scott Pierce points out in his article about the witch, he says, quote, Thomason isn't suspected of being a witch because she rides a broom or wears a pointy hat. She is suspected of being one because her family's farm is unproductive and it's believed some curse of her womanhood is to blame. So that kind of goes back to, like, what is really scary about this is that it's a Puritan's nightmare, right? So it's a girl becoming a woman. Yeah. So why do we fear this? Why do we fear women? Like, misogyny obviously is an underlining factor in this, but... It comes from something deeper, like it's in our system, very Mm -hmm. much like how we talked about in Get Out. Yeah. Like this whole idea of women being lesser than is is just deep within our bones. And psychotherapist Kimberly Key in a Psychology Today article said part of the difficulty is that men are more wired to be hierarchical. And see things in win-lose scenarios. Mm -hmm. It goes back to those innate hunter skills that allow a man to singularly focus on killing their prey and to beat the other hunters to it first. Women, on the other hand, are more hardwired to be more multitasking and collaborative and seek win win solutions. Mm. It's part of the mothering need to solve multiple children's issues while also cooking meals, cleaning, and keeping an ear out for danger.
1: Well, I believe that a lot of this fear comes from, like the article mentioned, a woman's ability to seem like she's in five places at once. And by that, I mean she can fiercely multitask in a way that some men find incredibly intimidating And back when the Salem witch trials were taking place, I think it seemed sort of magical when in reality that's just kind of how we are. That is such a good point. Well, there's definitely a mystique to the way that women operate, I think, but we have to be this way evolutionarily speaking because we have to be smarter, stronger, and more cunning than our enemies and predators. And I think that Men tend to get very damaged by this concept because of the way that our society is structured. It's something that is innately, instinctually built in us, so we can't really help it. But men are taught that they are superior because of strength. And
0: this um, psychotherapist, Kimberly Key, got like a lot of backlash on this because uh, people were like, oh, you're you're doing gender stereotypes and blah, blah, blah. And, And she was like in another article, she kind of like had to defend herself. And she was like, well, yes, like we are changing evolutionary and but like what is wired within our system when we were hunter-gatherers like that is that is what's still here scientifically men and women are different in that way everything is is changing as we evolve but that is like where that seed was born from
1: well i think part of this that is so interesting is that there's so much fear that surrounds a woman like becoming who she is meant to be Mm -hmm. and as women we're taught to find that uh, like attractive in men men are not taught that they they feel threatened by it so yeah it's like i don't know i'm glad that things are changing and and that kind of thing because 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 what i
0: love is that films like like fantastic beasts you know, like have Newt Scamander as the, as the main character. And he is a more feminine man. Yeah. Like he is caring and kind to animals. Like he is uh, soft-spoken and shy. And we, by having him be our hero in those films, like it's teaching women that, and men, that you can be attracted to somebody who is more feminine. Yeah. And you should be if that is what you like. Yeah. <laughs> like you shouldn't have to like be like you have to have the strong guy as your as your boyfriend or your husband
1: or whatever. Yeah. But I think because we have come so far, we don't have to be animals about it anymore. No, so. we don't. <laughs> exactly. We we are not
0: animals anymore. We don't live in the caves anymore. Like yeah. this, we're changing and that's a good thing. But you know that that is the seed of misogyny is like down deep in our bones like yeah. this whole idea of that women are weak and you know some cultures that wasn't the case but the puritans did believe that yes is unfortunate yes so let's talk a little bit more about the woman's body because (laughs) it's a big deal in this film (laughs) so uh when asked about the witch's deeper commentary at a press conference actress Anya Taylor-Joy who plays Thomason said that she thought the film had a happy ending because joining the coven is the first choice Thomason gets to make on her own Mm mm-hmm According to Marianne Hester in her book, Lewd Women and Wicked Witches, a study of the dynamics of male domination, (laughs) men have and maintain power over women in many different ways and at many different levels, at work, in the home, through legislation, and so on. But the most crucial aspect of an explanation of women's oppression and male dominance is the analysis of sexuality, Mm -hmm. because it is within the construct of male and female sexualities that we may observe the central dynamic of male domination over women. In the context of male supremacy, male and female sexualities are constructed as specifically different and unequal. Wow. What I love is that the witch perfectly illustrates the duality of a witch in general because... She is both like a seductress and she's also an old hag. <laughs> yes. And that is what society fears most about women. They fear us being sexual beings and they fear us being old women. My two moods.
1: Your two moods? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like
0: yes. we're objectified in that sense because it's like either you are this sexual being or... Or you're this old woman and you don't want to be near them. Our minds aren't even being considered in in any of this. It's all Mm -hmm. about how we look and how we present ourselves. And that is frightening. Yes. (laughs) You can absolutely see, obviously, the brother Caleb is looking like lustfully, but also fearfully at yes. Thomasine's yeah. body oh. and he sees her cleavage like I will never forget that I was like what is ha-? like yeah <laughs> but a eyes, he- child But despite his, like, fear and his growing sexuality while he looks at her, he still seeks physical comfort from her when they're by the water. And he's feeling kind of moody. Yeah. (laughs) And she's like, what's wrong? And she's, like, pushing water at him. And he's Mm. like, leave me alone. And she's like, come here, come here. And so he goes and he sits in her lap. Yeah. She's like his mother. Yeah. In a weird way, too.
1: Yeah, I remember feeling, the first time I saw this film, I was... Kind of uncomfortable for that scene. It was sort of sweet,
0: but because we had that scene beforehand of him looking at her boobs, it made it weird. Yes. So if that scene had been taken out, uh, I don't think I ever would have thought that that scene was strange with her comforting him. Right. But because he looks at her in a sexual way and then is treated by her in a motherly way, (sighs) it's strange. Well, her physical comfort... And her 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 soothingness and, but then also her sexuality is like the family's misfortune. Yeah. So her body is like a currency and a temptation, but it's also a solace. Mm-hmm. And it's subjected to Caleb and William's projections and judgments, oh. and of Catherine's projections and judgments. And everyone thinks that the witch is like what's really terrible, but it's really the family, especially her father and her brother.
1: Well, Thomason is constantly giving herself to her family also. Mm -hmm. Like, she uses her embrace to comfort everyone else, yet she is being told that her emerging womanhood is dangerous and that she has to be sent away to another family. And it's sort of ironic that Catherine... Is trying to be chaste and puritanical, but she sees her very young daughter as some kind of, like, weird sexual temptation for Caleb and William. Yeah, because even at the end, she calls her a proud slut. Yeah. (laughs) You proud slut? I was like, oh, damn. Okay.
0: (laughs) And there's no context to that for her. Oh, buddy. And listen, like this, this is so great because it absolutely reflects on the times because it's easy to see like Puritan overtones in uh, Republicans in America because (sighs) this country unfortunately is based on Puritan lifestyle. Again, that's in our bones. That's where we come from. Republicans have this need to quote unquote protect women and like make these new laws that infringe on like the woman's body and like with abortions and whatnot. It's hard to not compare Trump to a puritanical overlord. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a whole idea of lock her up with Hillary Clinton and the witch hunt remarks and like Hillary being known as the wicked witch of the left mm-hmm. In the podcast Faculty of Horror, which I highly recommend for you all to listen to, it's a step up. It's pretty good. It's a good show. Yes. And co-host Alex West uh, talks about how Trump being elected really sparked this movement of witchcraft becoming mainstream. And more women and men are beginning to accept witchcraft into their daily lives and practices.
1: Um. Did anybody get a Facebook invite for national hex Brett Kavanaugh Day? Yeah. Because I sure did. <laughs> I was
0: like, but would, wow. would we have gotten like something like that like just a few no. years ago? No. no. I don't think so either. Absolutely not. That kind of brings us to like why the family might have been cast out because This could be a reference to someone's beliefs being too conservative. Mm. And William might be too prideful of his beliefs and his pridefulness in what he feels is right is just literally ruining his family. Yeah. And they leave the safety of their community. And of course, they only find despair. Mm -hmm. And then you think, well, would Thomason even have joined the witches if they had left the safety of their group.
1: Ah. I don't I don't know if she would. I don't think she would have. Mm. She was quite obviously very sad to leave their community in the beginning because sh- the look of shock on her face, she's just like, "Oh man. Oh man." We really <laughs> see her face before we see anybody else's. Mm-hmm. It's it it opens with
0: her. We hear her father's voice, but it opens with her and everyone else's Face comes later. Ugh. Robert Eggers said, quote, while we're not living in a Puritan society, or are we, Ugh. the shadows of the past live on today. And I think it's effing great <laughs> that Daisy Ridley in Star Wars The Force Awakens is the new Christ of our most popular contemporary religion. I think that's really important.
1: Oh, dang. Another interesting thing that I mean, it's pretty relatable to the times when William asks Thomason to tell him the truth about what's happening and like what's going on on their farm. And she spills the beans about everything that she knows, like everything she's heard her parents talk about. William flies into a rage because it's not the answer he was expecting to hear. And I think that this speaks to our generation because the men in charge tell women to come forward and tell about their experiences and their assaults and etc. But when the truth isn't the picture they've painted in their head, women become liars and manipulators and they can't be trusted. And he's so angry because Thomason sees things for what they are.
0: Yeah, and he
1: doesn't try to connect with her. No. Like, it's terrible. Well, it's garbage because you're asking women to be honest and, you know, like, just say what's going on so that we can fix, for example, like, the sexual assault epidemic that's going on in our country. And then when women actually come forward and tell you what's going on, Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, well... (laughs) How credible are you? It's just mm. Good Morning Nancy is proudly sponsored by Recess Coffee.
0: We wouldn't be able to create such great content without being fueled by their magical beans. And the great part is is that each batch of coffee is locally, artisanally roasted, and it comes from fair trade farmers. Gracie, what's your favorite blend? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so my favorite blend is the Westcott blend. It has African and Indonesian beans mixed to create a clean, rich, and full-bodied cup of coffee. Mm. It has a rich floral vanilla aroma with a sugared almond flavor and a lemon finish. Yum.
1: Oh, delicious. My favorite is the Austin's blend. It's a unique blend of African, Indonesian, and Central American beans roasted to create a characteristically rich, dark, and smoky cup. It has a bold roasted nut aroma with chocolate flavors and a smooth, fruity finish. The coffee is seriously so good. I don't even have to put any cream or sugar in it. I just drink it black like my soul. (laughs) So guys, head on over to RecessCoffee.com to order yours today. Or if you're a Syracuse local, stop by either shop at 110 Harvard Place or 110 Montgomery Street. So So drink drink coffee, shoot shoot lightning.
0: lightning. Now back to the show. Young women are still expected to behave and conform to social norms more than young men, right? Yeah. So in a world where boys will be boys, girls who are destructive are often said to be asking for trouble. (sighs) When a young woman survives rape or assault, her outfit, behavior, and sobriety are questioned far quicker
1: than those of her attacker. If- William had spoken to Caleb about this and you can see it like William is very soft spoken when Caleb asks him like if Samuel is in hell and he's like oh I just don't understand like blah blah blah. He says to Caleb I love you and I don't know he literally says I don't have the answers whereas when he talks to Thomason about the really difficult scenarios that are going on in their family he's so abrupt. It's funny that this is such an old um I guess piece of history but it's still so relevant. Yep, absolutely. Let's talk about Satan. <laughs>
0: Satan. <laughs> so there was a satanic like uprising when this film was coming out and <laughs> the satanic yeah. temple had an interesting reaction. Yeah. They liked it. <laughs> enjoyed it! And they encouraged people to see the film.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Jax Blackmore, the spokesperson for the Satanic Temple, noted that The Witch wasn't just a horror movie for horror movie's sake, but a story of female rebellion and accepting the outsider status. Blackmore continues saying, quote, As Satanists, we are ever mindful of the plight of women and outsiders throughout history who have suffered under the hammer of theocracy and yet fought to empower themselves. While the patriarchy makes witches of only the most socially vulnerable members of society, Eggers' film refuses to construct a victim narrative. Instead, it features a declaration of feminine independence, unquote. Uh, Lee Jutton points out, quote, the most terrifying thing about the witch is not the threat posed by Satan or its witchy minions, but the one posed by Thomason's own family, as they increasingly suspect her of having signed a pact with the devil. It's so funny because she doesn't actually do that until the end. Right. When they're all dead. So It's uh, that
1: self-fulfilling prophecy.
0: If they had all just been Loving to her, like she even says while she's killing her mother, like "I love you, I love you," mm-hmm. or really when her mother's killing her, yeah. and then she has to then defend herself, but she just says "I love you, I love you," and it it's like if they had just loved her for who she was, yes, she she would have been fine, mm-hmm. and everyone would have lived probably. So yeah, uh, the patriarch William is murdered not by a witch, <laughs> but by another masculine power. Black Philip, aka Satan, the once dutiful daughter, is like professing her love to Satan, who can be looked at mm. as like the other man. Yep. And she's doing this over her Christian father. Satan, like Satan, is more of a liberator rather than another form of male oppression.
1: Also, if you notice in the film, Thomason's family speaks in harsh, disciplinary tones to yeah. her. Yes. So then Satan comes along. And whispers delicately to her that life doesn't have to be so bad. Yeah. So why wouldn't she be interested in what the devil has to say? She's literally been chastised her entire life just for being alive and being a girl. So as the Puritans believe that all people are born sinners and must live, quote unquote, purely to have a better afterlife. But what about like now and the present day? Yeah. Thomason is looking for an answer after she is orphaned and left all alone, and she's isolated from a society that rejected her and her family. So, Satan or Black Philip is there to offer her comfort and like bring her to a new family. Mm-hmm. And honestly, both sides of the spectrum seem kind of the same like they're both trade-offs so devote your life now to christ and have a beautiful afterlife or devote your life to satan and have a good life now and maybe pay for it later but the problem is that no one knows what the afterlife is like so if you're willing to take a gamble Mm -hmm. and live with possible repercussions later satan can offer you bliss because honestly who knows like who has the right concept here right So Satanism also teaches you to embrace your humanity and not to shy away from it. And Thomason strips her Puritan dress to be naked and dance with her new coven. And she embraces her body and its own beauty instead of thinking that she is a sinner. Right. And, you know, Catherine talks about how the farm feels, quote unquote, unnatural. Like when they're having dinner and they're talking to each other at the table and she says basically like things don't feel right around here right i mean you could argue that they are the unnatural ones because really the earth has existed for you know forever without the constructs of religion and the land itself rebels against the family's attempt to tame it to use it as a food supply oh my god so and they're offering those as like bounties to their god Mm mm-hmm And could it be that Satanism is actually the more natural answer, the most human religion, because it decides to embrace every concept of who we are as humans, like the good, the bad, the sinning, the problems, but also the beauty of just being alive. And honestly, in my opinion, living deliciously should just be living in general. Like it should not even be a sin. Like, we were just talking about a little while ago not having, quote-unquote, guilty pleasures. Yes. Just... Just having pleasures. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So... And not feeling bad about it. Right. And,
1: you know, Black Philip he is very parental and nurturing. He offers to take care of Thomason, but only by the physical act of signing his book. And when she says that she cannot sign her name, he says, I will guide thy hand. And it's unclear if Thomason knows how to read or write. So, this could be taken as a sign that Satan is offering her knowledge and intelligence and independence. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Eve in the Garden of Eden. Right. So, speaking of independence, Black Philip gores William to death and then headbutts him into his woodpile next to the house. Mm-hmm. So, this frees Thomason, but also. It took William so long to chop and stack that wood, just as he built an entire life on the ideals of Puritanism, Mm -hmm. only for it to come crashing down on top of him, killing him in the process. Yep. And Black Philip destroys all of these patriarchal concepts, freeing Thomason from a lifestyle that leads to pain and misery during her lifetime. So... Hail Satan, I guess. (laughs) This is
0: what's really interesting is a lot of people were kind of upset, though, that like this was a film that was supposedly feminist, but also it was a Satanist sort of film. And some people were like, and we kind of talked about this in our Suspiria episode, but how does feminism and Satanism work together? how can Thomason's story be one of female empowerment when she chooses Satan because she literally has no other choice? Mm. And according to Jess Joho, something about the feminist interpretation of the film's events feels amiss to me. The witch, rather than being a tale of empowerment, instead might better be understood as a straightforward case study of the Puritan Woman's Dilemma. Because if nothing else, the witch reminds us that to a group of women who truly believe that eternal hell and divinity were real, inevitable destinations, sometimes your best chance at salvation was to turn to pure evil. While all other arms, including those of your loved ones, are pushing you into the flames, Satan's open up and welcome you.
1: I don't know if I really entirely agree with that. I think because at the time, during this time period... Those seemed like they were the only two options, whereas women have more freedom of choice now. Mm -hmm. I mean, Thomason did have a choice. She could have lived alone as, like, a little hermit lady and still been a Puritan. Like, she had an entire farm. She even slept on it. She took a nap after she killed her mom. True story. (laughs) So it's not like she would be exhausted, too, so, you know.
0: (sighs) But that's true because, like, it's not like she was like, oh, my God, my mom's dead I have to go sign with Satan now. Like, I have no other choice. She went into the house and, like, took a nap. Yeah. And then woke up and was like, all right, I've thought about it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, I, yeah, She didn't so. rush
0: any decisions, in my opinion. And, yeah, I think that that's a good point. Like, she took the time and she did decide, like, what she wanted. Yeah. That's what we think. Yeah. What do you guys think? <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about the different types of women that are shown in the film. There's the patriarchal woman, and then there's witches. Mm -hmm. So Catherine is a patriarchal woman. She's in a tough place, though. She's at the mercy of her husband, William, and she loves slash hates her daughter, Thomason, for her lack of maternal instincts. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this goes back to like, Nowadays as well, women hating other women, (laughs) which is a huge problem. Yeah. And it's really interesting that this film ends with mother against daughter, because that's like mother against maiden, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's this intense desire to have your daughter become a wife and a mother, but in order for that to happen, she has to also have sex. So it's a catch-22.
1: Yes. It's a ridiculous concept, in my opinion, because... You literally cannot have life without sex. And well, no. there's no use in shaming someone for it. Like, <sighs> Thomason needs to be sent away to work for another
0: family now that she's begot the sign of her womanhood. <laughs> and it's like she's being punished for being beautiful and sexual and now fertile. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like it's a threat to Catherine's power. Yeah. And that's why she needs to go away. Yep. Which then we can expand on in Mothers and Daughters. The only one that Thomason kills in this film is her mother. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is killed by something else. Yeah. And this is reminiscent of fairy tales like Snow White and Cinderella where the mother is gone so that they may metaphorically become who they are supposed to be in the story. It's their journey, right? Mm -hmm. And in this case, the mother dies so that Thomason can be free, but instead of like natural causes or childbirth, like most fairy tales, it's a pubescent teenager committing matricide. Her mother is smothering her from becoming the woman she is meant to be so she herself as a teen has to kill her so that she can continue onward otherwise her life is really stale (sighs) so the witch is normally considered like the anti-mother right Mm-hmm. And like I said, we talked a little bit about this in the Suspiria episode last season. Uh, the scene where Thomason milks the goat and only blood squirks, squirts out. <laughs> uh, and Catherine has a dream or like a vision of her dead children. And she tries to nurse Samuel, the youngest one, and instead is having her bloody nipples pecked at by a crow.
1: Yikes.
0: The disappearance of like Catherine's infant and her and the death of Caleb That compromises her caregiving abilities. She is only producing blood from her nipples. Yeah. And Thomason, she isn't a mother yet. So that is like shown in her milking the goat and only blood comes out.
1: Ooh, dang. Yeah. Blood also, it's often a symbol of either death or new life, right? So since Thomason is on the verge of womanhood and kills her mother in order to obtain freedom... It only makes sense that this dream would be kind of like a harbinger of what's to come. Right. Um, But Catherine is also, she's an older woman. So for her to live through the birth of her last child is like amazing and i mean the dream could also mean that she's beyond the point of being able to have another child and she feels helpless about it because like you said that's where her power comes from
0: and all of her children are dying off so like once they're all gone like what is she Yeah, right
1: and i mean maybe she hopes that thomason will bear grandchildren but in like deep down in her heart she knows that thomason doesn't want a life like that, and she's different. And I think that's largely due to Catherine's motherly instincts telling her about her daughter. Because in most cases, mothers know their own daughters pretty well. And maybe Catherine sees these signs before Thomason does. Mm-hmm. So another interesting thought, there's this strangely intimate moment between Thomason and William. Oh, Catherine tells her, yeah, Catherine tells Thomason to remove her father's woolens and wash them in the stream, perhaps to keep, like, propriety in front of her children. But there's this weird rift that emerges between Thomason and her mother over the attention of William.
0: But it's like she is making her daughter do it, though. Right. Like, she could have easily just been like, hold the twins. I gotta clean your dad's clothes.
1: Well, I think it... And I could be very wrong, but I feel like that's part of the Puritan culture is to like not to be affectionate in front of your children because they might get the wrong idea, you know? And there's the whole thing of like serve thy father and thy mother or something, right? Yes. Yep. So. But it's weird because it's like, (laughs) maybe I'm overthinking it. But she like uh, unties his shirt and like stares at him for a second. And I was like, hold the phone. Edgar's (laughs) Edgars <laughs> absolutely
0: intended that you yeah. you know that because William is looking up and away from her like he yeah. is avoiding eye yeah. eye contact with her at all costs, but you can tell that he's having a hard time doing it, yeah and she does she lingers on that shirt and she like lingers on like pushing it off of his chest it was absolutely intended also
1: why is william so friggin' ripped because he chops wood all day that actor i was like listen i had like an old man crush on him by the end of that movie even if he is sort of despicable i was like dang buddy you keep chopping that wood I shouldn't. I'm objectifying. That's not good, but <laughs> but like, by rejecting motherhood, witches reject
0: their feminine role in Puritan society. Yeah. So that's why I love this ending because really, it's just all it is is a metaphor for Thomason refusing the feminine power in service of a patriarchal family. And instead,
1: using her feminine power for herself. Okay, so I just thought of this, though. The witch in the woods literally takes Catherine's power from her until she has Thomason in her clutches. Like, she picks off the children one by one and for some reason leaves Thomason. So, she maybe she's like, ooh... This girl's going to join my coven because she's extremely powerful because she doesn't want this puritanical lame life. That actually transitions really well into our final
0: thought. Mm -hmm. What is real and what isn't? Mm. In an interview with Slate.com, Eggers stated, quote, I have very clear ideas about what is real and what isn't. But I have intentionally tried to keep some mystery and enigma around that stuff. So I won't share my opinions on it. It was designed with intentions, but also designed to read in multiple different ways. But there are clues about different interpretations. So, for example, the rot on the corn is ergot, which is a hallucinogenic Fungus And Eggers also said, quote, if someone wants to go in and watch this and think about a real witch, that is the surface read. But if you want to go in for more, there's a lot more ways to look at it. Mm. Oh, I love this because when I first saw this, I thought that the witch was real mm-hmm. when I was first watching it. And on my second and third viewing, I really started to notice all of the different hints that maybe this could not have happened. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think?
1: Well, I mean, if we wanted to take the above-mentioned route that Eggers talks about with the like the fungus, or the ergot, yes, mm-hmm. maybe the witch hiding in the woods knew that there was ergot in the corn. And she took advantage because, you know, as history has taught us, witches know quite a bit about medicine and plant life. So she's like, they're tripping. They are tripping so hard. (laughs) Watch me come in and eat their baby. But the other part of me wants to believe that this... Story is what it is because I love the mythos surrounding this time period. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I feel like it's a testament to womanhood and growth and rebellion and becoming your true form. Right. And we could argue that it isn't just about women, but like anybody in general, although it wholeheartedly fits the bill for a feminist film. So, it, I mean. Well, and it also is called a New England folktale. Right.
0: And a folktale is different from a fairy tale like fairy tales from what i understand are about like princes and princesses and castles with mythical creatures and like dragons and unicorns and whatnot Mm -hmm. but like a folk tale is something that like you pass down um in faculty of horror uh the women who host it they mentioned that it could be uh, the beginnings of urban legends Mm -hmm. they those also have like fantastical images in it right. but
1: they're more of a warning yeah it's sort of like a, a like asap like an Aesop's yeah. fable kind of thing yeah. so there's a moral to the story i guess
0: right and so this is sort of plays out in that way because there are fantastical things in this like a witch and a kid throwing up an, a whole apple <laughs> like <laughs> yikes I think that no matter how you look at this, and this is why I think Eggers is a genius, like, no matter how you look at this, you're going to find a a moral of the story for somebody in this.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa.
0: Wow. So that's it for this week's episode of Good Morning, Nancy. Don't forget to check out our merch shop. We've got mugs and sweatshirts and t-shirts and more. Head on over to www.com goodmorningnancy.com slash merch and click the shirt icon to be taken to our shop. And if you're not already a patron, go to patreon.com slash goodmorningnancy for some sweet extra content in your coffee. We review horror trailers, TV shows, and new movies over there. So become a patron, won't you?
1: You can also help support the show by following us on social media, Facebook at goodmorningnancy, Twitter at goodmorningnan, and instagram at good morning nancy podcast we are also on tumblr at good morning nancy tell a friend and spread the word about our show we love you all to death have a good morning bye